Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit. Sit. Rest your feet. It's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe ale. All right. You're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. She had tortured hundreds, maybe thousands, in the name of understanding and reason. Torture made sense. You truly saw what a person was made of in more ways than one when you began to slice into them. That was a phrase she'd used on numerous occasions. It usually made her smile. Semirog, the gathering storm. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is the road to Tarvalin today. Back with our Westlands 101s. The spooky edition. The spooky edition. It's it's back. We do this yearly. I think our first one was Shadow Spawn. Then after that, it was. Bubbles of Evil. Bubbles of Evil. Yes. Yeah, I only remember because you had to remind me when I was like, what about Bubbles of Evil? And you were like, we did that last year. <laughs> yeah. But I guess today we are going with Robert Jordan's take on Yosef Mangala, only he made it a woman. <laughs> and it is Semirog. And I have to say, she is probably. Well, maybe the most terrifying of the Forsaken, especially a lot of the times because the Forsaken can be kind of cartoony, mm -hmm. but she is just on a whole nother level of evil. Yes. Textbook sadist. Textbook Ooh. sadist. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, actually, because yes. Yeah. Textbook sadist. She is someone who really takes pleasure in pain and humiliation and punishment. Like true pleasure. Doesn't even think twice about it being a source of pleasure for her. She's like, oh yes, I've earned this. I've earned this. Yeah. And like most of our Westlands 101 episodes, the first half will be spoiler free. And mm -hmm. then we'll get into the nitty gritty stuff from the books that will that will definitely spoil things for you if you haven't made it through the series. Yes. Yeah. Big, big spoilers. So, you know, be good to yourselves. Don't move too far ahead unless you're ready to like, you know, just be completely spoiled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Semirog's name before taking the name Semirog was Namine Damadar Bone. Mm -hmm. And depending on how you want to pronounce that, maybe that doesn't sound quite like how you read it in your head. But one of the things that really, I guess, shocked me that I didn't realize at first is that she's from, from the, she's from Shanchen. What, like originally? Yeah, that's her nationality from Sean Chen, which makes things later on maybe not so ironic, but it makes things make sense considering some of her favorite items that she uses. Okay, don't mind me, but is that possible for her to be of Sean Chen nationality when Sean Chen didn't exist as a place until like Arthur Hawkwing's time? Like, are they maybe, because I saw that on the wiki article as well, that they had her nationality listed as Sean Chen, but I just assumed that that had more to do with her role that she chooses later on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, that wiki article was full of contradictions. Like, no offense to the people who read it, because truthfully, I am so appreciative for everyone who works on it, but there are a lot of contradictions in that article. And it was maybe not a lot, maybe just a few, but it was like, I went from that to other places to my Wheel of Time companion. And I was interested to see if like some of those discrepancies showed up in your reference book because you have the big white book and I don't have that. did look her up in that. Let me open it real quick because I'm actually on her page. Yeah. 
it doesn't actually say in here where she is from. But the thing is, is that before the breaking of the world, she did associate with the, she was an Aes Sedai, not a White Tower Aes Sedai, but this era's Mm -hmm. version of Aes Sedai. Yes, yeah. And we do know that before the formation of the Hall of the Tower, that there were Aes Sedai in Shan Chen squabbling, breaking apart the continent, which is why when Arthur Pendrag went there, he was able to kind of turn people onto the fact like, look, these people are no good. Look what they're doing. Mm-hmm. There were Aes Sedai in Shan Chen long, long ago, but she also was a well-known Aes Sedai at the time. So I don't know where her story began. Mm-hmm. If there were Aes Sedai on Shan Chen, were they looking for women that could channel over there and bringing them back to the Westlands? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I wasn't expecting to get like kind of stuck, if you will, on a topic of her like nationality origination, if that makes sense. How fascinating. I just wanted to make a mention of the fact that she is an individual with three names, which we know in the Age of Legends is like a status symbol. And I also just want to like briefly point out that this is another indicator that the Age of Legends is not a utopian society. You would not have social structures like that if this were a utopian society. You know what I mean? Like class? Yeah, like an honorific yeah, like you're lifted above everybody else kind of thing. So Well, I feel like that's the same thing as like doctors having the opportunity to list like Dr. Oh, Will Smith on their driver's license, you know? <laughs> He's not a doctor. He's hanging in the wild, wild west. Right? Or like <laughs> you can even hear like you can check professor and then that will come up on all of your paperwork. I don't know if that okay has anything no, to I do with utopian, but like I'm not saying that that doesn't <laughs> go along with your theory, but I don't know. No, I always like it when you have like an alternate opinion or view of something that I'm not seeing in the same way. I love that. Yeah, I don't know, but that still doesn't um, change the fact that when I see someone who introduces themselves as, I'm a doctor so-and-so, I don't roll my eyes. (laughs) I'm professor so-and-so, don't call me by my first name. (laughs) All right, all right. All right, fancy pants. Um, I did have a professor when I was in school, just like one of them, who was very like, I am professor so-and-so, and that is what you will call me? Because I have earned it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Fine. but I mean, <laughs> that w- I mean, to me, I just, that's a roll of the eyes. Because no, I get it. any I profession it. that you do and you do well and you've given mm-hmm. a lot of time and effort into that, I mean, yeah. why don't they get a fancy name? I mean. Right. That's how I feel sometimes. Like, I'm like, I'd love to have, like, a PhD of some kind. But truth be told, that's so much work. And, I mean, I've already put a lot of work into, like, everything I've done. Can I just get, like, an honorific? Can I give myself one? Sure. Why not? (laughs) I declare that I have put in. (laughs) That sounds like a Semarag move, though. Truth be told, told. Like, her ego is just out there. And I, like... There's so much about her that while I'm going, oh, my God, you're so awful, that I'm also like, yeah, yeah, I kind of get where you're coming from. You know, you're terrible, but I don't not not understand some of your opinions in some ways. Not the torture part, just the, like, don't judge me part, you know? Well, she deserves to be judged. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I'm not saying what she was doing was right by any means. Or well, that let's, I, let's like, get yeah. into what she was doing, okay? Yeah, yeah. So she was a restorer. And what that means is before the formation of the White Tower, we're talking about the Age of Legends. We had the Aes Sedai of this time 
going around and mainly focusing on healing. Some of the Forsaken actually did similar things. Like Grendel was a great healer of the mind, but Naemin, a.k.a. Semarag, she was a great healer, but the thing was is that while she was healing people, she took a little bit too much delight in the fact that she made her healings painful to the people that were being healed. And when the Hall of the Servants found out about this, they basically gave her the option of being severed Mm -hmm. or being bound by what their version of the oath rod is so mm-hmm. a binder and mm-hmm. that's another terangrial thingamajig where basically mm-hmm. if they say we're going to use this thing on you and after we use it on you you will not physically be able to commit the crime that you have been doing mm-hmm. you can't your mm-hmm. your body won't do it anymore mm-hmm. And this gave her the, the idea of choosing to go along with the side of the shadow. And that's where she becomes one of the Forsaken. Mm-hmm. And she was even, clearly, she was with the other Forsaken that are trapped in the boar during the breaking of the world on Luz Theron's strike. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. With his 100 and maybe a few more or less companions. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like a really, you know, precise number. Like, I don't know if I believe that. I will take 99 of you. Right? 100. No more, no less. Or like Stephen showed up and he was, st- he was sick. And so, like, it was 99 instead of 100, but they were like, we were still going with 100. We're rounding up. Yeah, we're rounding up. We're rounding up. Forget about Steven. It's fine. He'll get better later. Lucky Steven wasn't there. I think the part about Samurag that stood out to me the most, I mean, I don't know where you, you would like to go from the ceiling away from the Forsaken and the board. Do you have a direction in mind? Um, no, I kind of just wanted to give like the most, I guess, quick background on her as a Forsaken, like why she is one. You did. But I do want to talk about some of the things that she was involved in during the War of Power, which is before (laughs) the breaking of the world. And I think this is, in my mind, one of the things that I would love to see as a part of... Mm -hmm these Wheel of Time prequels that have been mm-hmm. talked about and mentioned. Mm-hmm. Because the War of Power is just like a really, really long time of battles, but it's mm-hmm. magic battles, right? <laughs> so to speak. So like we've and got dark. Yeah, we've got dark. channelers on both sides just mm-hmm. really going at it and yep. to- pretty much total destruction of the nations after after that takes place and there's the breaking of the world, things get even worse, but mm-hmm. everything was pretty much thrown into upheaval. So during the War of Power, there were actually areas, nations, cities, lands that were taken by mm-hmm. certain forsaken and for mm-hmm. the side of the shadow. And Semirog was actually put in charge of some of these territories and dear god it is just it's some of the most like sadistic stuff ever Mm -hmm. but she's i guess like i just picture her being really bored and kind of like luxuriously laying around and then making the subjects of her territories just flat out torture each other for fun like that's Mm -hmm. what she did for her spare time And I don't know if this was experimental or if it was just for gratification. I was actually going to say, from what I can understand, from what I read, was that, like, she does it in an experimental way. Like, she wants to find out what it takes to break a human being. And she uses other people and is like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to torture them. And I'm just going to, like, file all this information away so that I know. And I mean, like she uses that information later on and it's just 
gruesome, gruesome information and acts that she commits as, you know, the book unfolds even. But the War of Power was exactly where I wanted to go because, like, this would just be even just the War of Power alone. Like, be such a good movie. Such a good yeah. movie. And when I'm yeah. thinking about her, like, what makes her tick, Mm-hmm. When I'm saying I don't know if she's doing it for experimentation or for gratification, mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to get like into the headspace of her. Like, does mm-hmm. she actually want to make experiments because she's mm-hmm. interested on how the body works and mm-hmm. like how to flip people and turn people? Or at the root of Semirog, is it just because she likes torture? So giving any opportunity to use it, she can have an excuse mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, I'm studying people. I'm trying to figure things out. But maybe she just likes mm-hmm. it. Maybe it's a bit of both. Yeah, like I'm, I'm thinking of all of these really horrible people in our mm-hmm. own history, especially, I mean, Yosef Mengele, definitely. He's the one that I think is just... I really feel like this is the person that Robert Jordan kind of decided to like use bits and pieces of this person and mm-hmm. stick them into a villain character for his books. Mm-hmm. But this guy was just, I mean, we're talking about crimes of humanity on probably mm-hmm. the largest scale. I think that when you think of people who are just that evil, he's probably one of the very first ones that you would find. Like, if you went on Google and was like, who is the most evil person ever? Like, I'm assuming he would probably show up on that list. Can I do that real quick? Who are the most evil Yeah, do it. Ever. Go for it. <laughs> but I mean, he was a Nazi doctor who, yep. he took a special interest in twins, and he would Ugh. torture one and kind of use the other one to like do a side-by-side comparison and see like what can be done to a person while using the other one as like mhm yeah yeah but i mean there there's all of these uh conspiracy theories that he's still alive but it, i mean he fled to south america yeah, that's the running joke about if you're South American and have German ancestry, it's like, yeah, you're probably related to a German person who fled, but... Yeah, not surprisingly, uh, Hitler's number one, Stalin's number two. Okay. I mean, same group, same group. Same so. group, yeah, they're all, they're all together. I mean, that's just it, it's like that group they keep popping up on this list it's just like 15 of like oh maximilian ropes pierre is on here that's wild oddly enough mengala is not i think this list is wrong though i don't agree with this list so that's all i'm saying google i don't agree with your first your first choice so <laughs> no but i yeah. love i love the historic connection the real world connection that like people can actually be this evil and i actually really appreciate the fact that jordan gave this incredibly scary demeanor to a woman instead of putting it on another man because i mean he does like to flip his like the stereotype sometimes you know i think it's necessary you know to keep things kind of like fresh if you will like, instead of it always being, like, the person you absolutely expect to be this evil, for it to be someone who is known as a healer, world-famous healer in the Age of Legends. Yeah. That goes along with being a woman most of the time, like, but to become a torturer? It's not very often that it, the torturer is a woman, you know, just in mm-hmm. literature or whatever, but... And in history. Yeah. But I do think, too, that she used torture as a way to kind of further along her career as a Forsaken. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, for sure. She used this to her advantage when there's all of these networks and whatnot Mm -hmm. where you're trying to figure out who's actually a dark friend or who's really a traitor. And Mm -hmm. 
she was someone to where she would capture people to make sure that they were actually who they say they are. And a lot of the times these people that were captured, upon figuring out that Semirag was their captor, like they would kill themselves mm-hmm. while they yep. were imprisoned rather than facing her. And I think that's just one of the reasons why she is so creepy, why she is so terrifying mm-hmm. and scary. Yeah, I had written down her rep- her reputation for excessive cruelty made it so special precautions had to be taken with her prisoners to keep them from committing suicide. And I believe like there were stories of prisoners who would chew through their wrists to mm-hmm. get out of their like chains. Like good lord, how very animalistic and desperate does that feel how terrifying is this woman like she is scary one of the things that she liked to do that i think is just crazy is replace people's blood with various other substances yeah i mean (laughs) i think this really just goes down to her getting pleasure out of it and not really Mm -hmm necessarily like her wanting to make discoveries or something because if you think that someone's going to actually live having their blood changed to something right I, I don't think that you're a very smart person <laughs> the thing is about her is she just has such an intimidating presence via yeah. the legend of semirog like she right. is so well known and so well feared that it comes up later in her storyline that it makes her such a force to be reckoned with just because of the status of her name being so well known and feared. I mean, she was captured during the War of Power and she was so scary that her jailers (laughs) freed her. Freed her. (laughs) They smuggled her out. Yeah. Like, all she had to do was persistently tell them about the things that she had done to other people. And they were like, okay, okay, okay. Please don't do that to us ever. And we will, we will get you out of here. And we didn't talk about what she looks like either. So Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about that too. Because when you were talking about like she's already kind of an intimidating presence. Like she's tall. Like she's over six feet tall. Yeah, she's real slender long-limbed, long fingers, really dark skin, dark eyes. Yep. And she likes to dress all in black. And this dates back to her having a rivalry with Lanfear, who always dresses in white. Yeah. And so that's, I guess, the the forsaken joke, I guess, that Semirog is trying to kind of like carve out her own thing and have her own style yeah (laughs) yeah outside of Lanfear Mm -hmm. so would you like to jump into the spoiler topics the last thing I want to mention about Semirog is we have her to thank for the 13 Merdral 13 Aes Sedai can bring a channeler to the dark one discovery I guess you could say and that definitely has an impact later on. I don't know what she was doing that she discovered this. It's, I don't... Yeah, she has, she definitely has a curiosity about mm-hmm. Merdral. She does. And we see that later on in another chapter where she, she's thinking to herself... But she does have a curiosity there. And I think she thinks that Fades and Merdral are strange creatures, but mm-hmm. she, she wants to study them. So I can imagine, you know, air quotes here, her studying them. Mm-hmm. Good times for the Merdral. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a part later on where she says her curiosity had led her to imply torture of Merdral, that was like, they don't even know how they do the things they do. And she knew for sure because, you know, she's a lady of pain. And uh, that goes for Merdral, too. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't discriminate on who she tortures. No. Nope. Yikes. Okay, that was the last thing that I wanted to mention because I just thought it was really interesting that that was something that she had discovered during her. Uh, 
ruling of regions and rampaging as head torturer and discoverer of weird things. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on The Road to Tarvalin. All right, let's jump into the spoiler topics. Mm -hmm. And... The first thing I had on my mind was just how terrifying her POV introduction is. Mm-hmm. Out of all of the Forsaken, that Lord of Chaos chapter mm-hmm. is just wild. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, this is probably why this book when I started this book, it was so unsettling. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of like, who can you trust? Who can't you trust in this book? Where almost every character that starts showing up, it's like, you know, you're sweating because it's like, oh no, like mm-hmm. our dear, dear good people, Rand and our Emmonsfield folks, like how are we gonna keep them safe? And we mm-hmm. get just these early chapters in Lord of Chaos come out swinging in terms of it's really stressful and it's really unsettling Mm -hmm. and it's scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Very. (laughs) And she's so methodical. I think that's the word that comes to mind. And she tries to be. Like, this isn't even just something that's, like, enjoyable for her. It's also second nature for her like she knows the things to do i think there's a part where like in this chapter i think it's in threads of threads woven of shadow is the chapter but she basically says like no one knows the interior of a person's mind as well as she does and she knows how to stimulate pain centers as well as pleasure centers but she she like sets what she calls like a net around the pain center for an Aes Sedai that's been captured. She has an Aes Sedai and a warder to torture and get information from. And our good old buddy, Sh- Shadar Haran. Haran. Yeah, he's like he's... guarding the door. Like a yeah. creepy-ass bouncer. Right? <laughs> so in this chapter, she's got two victims here. Mm-hmm. She tortures both of them. The Aes Sedai lives longer than the warder mm-hmm. but the warder she tortures with pleasure uh-huh. and then she ties off this weave and starts mm-hmm. thinking about other things i think this is when she's talking about shatter her and she's thinking about this and that and the other and when she snaps out of it she's killed the warder Mm-hmm. And the Aes Sedai is screaming. Mm-hmm. And now she knows more about this Aes Sedai water bond, which mm-hmm. always kind of confused me a little bit because if she's been around for a while and the Forsaken always like to, even in this chapter, she's kind of scoffing at this woman who calls herself an Aes Sedai. She's saying, you know, uh, I think she said that you call yourself an Aes Sedai, but, you know, you really have no idea, like, what a real mm-hmm. Aes Sedai was capable of, and you're mm-hmm. nothing compared to my time in the Age of Legends and etc. Yeah. So why does she not know how the Warder Bond works if she's so intelligent i mean i kind of feel like even in the age of legends they would have had to have an understanding of what some of these different weaves could do as far as like bonding people so i don't i don't know about that it might be a minor inconsistency yeah there is a part where she talks about it in chapter six because when she goes to see the warder 
he, like she's like he's already looks as though he's been experiencing something and she was like it looks as though he's been fighting pain and in her POV, she says, of course, that peculiar bond between Isodai and water. Strange that these primitives should have come up with something that none of the chosen understood, yet it was so. From the little she knew, this fellow quite possibly felt at least some of what the other patient was undergoing. Another time that would present interesting possibilities, now it only meant that he thought he knew what he was facing. That's the only indication that, you know, they don't really know anything about it and then they haven't really attempted something like this before but i also agree with you because like why wouldn't they <laughs> well yeah i'm just kind of like pointing out the fact that it's either stupidity or hypocrisy on her behalf either she doesn't know and the forsaken really don't have a clue half the time when they're constantly saying like how much greater they are and smarter and more intelligent mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, I don't know. Is it is it just that way with the Forsaken? Because they are really petty and they are, mm-hmm. for the most part, hypocrites. So mm-hmm. often we have Forsaken saying something to one of our protagonists, like, you know, nothing. Like, the Age of Legends was so much more powerful and mm-hmm. smarter and the technology was better. But at the same time... They're constantly getting whooped by mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. protagonists. So primitives. Like, yeah. Quote unquote primitives who know nothing about anything. I think it's ego. I think, especially in Semarog's case, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she has a massive ego. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't they all? Don't they all? Yeah. And I think if she's absorbed in other things, then she's not. I mean, at this point, she's also not really, for the most part, in the main section of the Westlands. She's over in Shancha and messing around with Tuon. So her exposure to Aes Sedai and Warders since her awakening has probably been limited. And considering her hatred for them, I can't see her like taking the time that she has for plotting to try to figure out the water bond. Like, this might be her first experience where she's like, oh, well, I guess these primitives have done this thing. Like, for her, it would be like a child's game. And that's what she thinks of it. So it's beneath her to pay yeah, attention to Yeah, it just, it. I don't know. For me, it, it just doesn't check out because oh, we, have, yeah. we have people in the Black Aja I mean, they have warders themselves. So, like, no, oh, the Forsaken don't know what the warder bond really does. Like, come on. <laughs> maybe it's just her. And maybe that's just her assumption. It's not like they're close and sharing their deepest secrets at, like, slumber parties and stuff, you know? Like, <laughs> these people hate each other. Yeah, but I feel like word would get around. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah, I know. I have no idea. There are always holes to poke at. Always. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. It is a potential hole to poke at. So she, after she wakes up from her, I guess, deep sleep and mm-hmm. the boar, mm-hmm. she does travel to Shan Chen and she has this alternate identity of Anath. And mm-hmm. she eventually becomes Tuan's truth speaker Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i guess like her intention here was kind of what we see so often with other forsaken and other dark friends is kind of like Mm -hmm. coming into one area and Mm -hmm. manipulating it and trying to kind of take charge and get a yes get a position that's higher up that way you can manipulate things below you and this is pretty much what she starts off doing she does try to have well i guess she does she assassinates the imperial family except Mm -hmm. for tuan Mm -hmm. so i mean that checks a box for her like (laughs) very stereotypical forsaken like behavior totally I guess the only part of her plan that didn't work is that Tuan lived. Mm-hmm. 
And then we have kind of like this mess in Shan Chen after Mm -hmm. that. Yep. And I think like one of her for Semarag at that point, the solution became making Suroth Empress and killing Tuan because Tuan is just like, like even in the chapter where she's torturing people, she's thinking about Tuan and she refers to her as like her willful charge. I never caught that before. Like, I was like, who is she talking about? And, like, it didn't, like, have, like, hit me until much later on. Oh, it's, it's Tuan. She was talking about Tuan. And so she's been there for a minute, like, messing around with Tuan. But Tuan doesn't really seem to, like, fully take in what her truth speaker is trying to tell her. Like, there's a part in the chapter where she says, you certainly were not supposed to be afraid of your Sophia, yet Tuan was a little. Uh, so my mispronunciation, I'm sorry. Sophia is for truth speaker. Truth speaker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like she has a bit of fear and she also, like later on, she says that she wants to resist her truth speaker's advice. Like she she listens to everything that Anoth slash Samarag is telling her, but she's like, I just, there's something about this that doesn't feel right. So it's almost like a Ravine more gaze when more gaze finally is like, something about this isn't right. Tuan's mm-hmm. feeling it. She's like, something about this isn't right. Yeah, and I wonder if it's, I mean, because more gaze and Tuan both have the ability to channel, you know? Oh. interesting i just wonder if that was a coincidence where somehow it made tuan less susceptible to semirag in a way or maybe just to have a like this strange vibe that something is not quite right (laughs) i mean even as her truth speaker semirag is not really it doesn't sound like she's really concealing what she looks like so she's still tall imposing like a figure of authority in and of herself so tuan being afraid of her kind of makes sense because tuan's like tiny she's this tiny child-sized person according to matt like he thinks she's a child the first time he sees her so samurai has got to just tower over her (laughs) yeah and this is, too, where she kind of picks up, I think, her time in Shanshan, this idea of using the domination band, or mm-hmm. it's an item, so a Tarangriol that, you know, can control whoever you're connected with, mm-hmm. but it only works between two channelers, mm-hmm. so this becomes a part of her plan, mm-hmm. and... I really, really do like this chapter. I don't remember what chapter it is, but I think it's in the... It might be in the... The Gathering Storm. Gathering Storm. She's posing as Tuan. So first Mm -hmm. she's Anath, you know, and now she's Mm -hmm. impersonating Tuan herself. Mm -hmm. And... When I first read this chapter, I was really confused because it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, she started flickering. And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? She became taller suddenly. Right. And then Rand is there with, I think, I want to say Nynaeve and Min Mm -hmm. and Cad Swain and some other Mm -hmm. Ashaman. You know, he has this like guard of people Mm -hmm. that he's Mm -hmm. traveling with. And she starts flickering, mm-hmm. and then Luce Theron just loses it. Mm-hmm. And Rand knows immediately who it is. And Samirag sh- is shooting fire at Rand, and she actually hits him because Min was standing behind Rand, so Rand didn't duck and cover, jump out of the mm-hmm. way. And he loses his hand for it. Mm-hmm. Which is why you don't bring your girlfriend <laughs> on these types to of missions. <laughs> right. Leave her at home. Then just stay back, read a book, have a nice glass of wine or something. Like, 
<laughs> let him defend himself the way he's going to need to. You don't need to be there. It's fine. It's fine. What I do think is funny is like, oh, but like men threw a knife at her and she does hit Samirog with one of her knives. But I think oh, Samirog was already suspended with weaves of air by Katsuin and Nynaeve at this point. So it's like, men, did you just throw a knife at a target who can't move? Like, Out good of on sheer ya, anger. I guess, yeah. I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad. <laughs> All these daggers. I didn't get to use them. Yeah. But this yeah, chapter is know. pretty important because... She casts all this doubt on Rand because she's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're hearing voices Mm -hmm. from your past life. You're Mm -hmm. clearly insane. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those, you know, it's just another death by a thousand cuts for Rand because he's Mm -hmm. already going through so much. And I guess it's just adding fuel to the fire. He's not in a good place. And we see this Mm -hmm. when he even loses his hand. He's connected to men with the bond and she's like he's already given it up he's already left it behind he's just mm-hmm. moving forward not even caring about you know losing a limb and mm-hmm. naive mistook it for him being in shock but he just shoves those feelings aside in a very unhealthy way and all of this is going on and then we have cad swain who mvp of the hour is just like yeah i'm gonna have a good time with this one like i look Mm -hmm. forward to chatting with you semi-rog and it's like it's almost this moment where cad swain you could start to think that she's almost just as evil as semi-rog because they that she has this real deep understanding of semi-rog that i don't Mm -hmm. think very many people do yeah, it's, there's a there's a moment where Kat Swain says that the similarities between the two of them make her insides itch. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I bet they do. I mean, that's how she figures out how to get under Semirog's skin. She's like, what would really like get to me? What would bring me down? And she uses that to get at Semirog. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how she breaks her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the scene, though. I love the scene. Like, the way that it's set and everything. By the way, the chapter that you are thinking about is chapter 27, A Plain Wooden Box, and it is in The Gathering Storm. Okay. And then this one is Questions of Control, which is chapter 17, I think. Yeah. Did you want to talk about that one, or was there something else in Semirog's timeline that you'd rather jump into before we kind of wrap her story up? I do, I do find her, like, even before getting captured, I find her attachment to the Shanchan really interesting that she chooses this path. I like that it gives her an edge when she pretends to be two on, but it also is kind of her undoing because one of the Soldam present like recognizes her. And like when Semirog later announces, she's like, Why should I deny who I am? I am Semirog. And like one of the Soldam vomits down the front of herself. Like, this is how fucking scary this woman is. Like, Mm-hmm. thousands of years later somebody throws up at the set like at her name at her declaring herself like ah i kind of love it no that's that's terrifying i mean right. i just i i'm thinking of all of the ways that they could do this within the tv show and it just makes me so sad because i don't think they have the time Mm-hmm. to really flesh some of these characters out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually have to correct myself. It's not in The Gathering Storm. It's a knife of dreams that she's captured. Okay. And that's chapter 27. It's in Gathering Storm where Cad Swain figures out how to break her. And I'm actually good to move to that if you want to, because it's kind—it's of, oddly delightful in its own way, in the way that it's written. Yeah, um, I know Brandon Sanderson had said that 
if there was one thing he could change mm. within this the parts of the story that he wrote, he wouldn't have done the spanking. He would have used some other means to break her. Did he give an example? No, but he just said that he he doesn't like the fact that for a long time spanking has been a way of means to dominate women in particular that there's just this very kind of and I'm absolutely paraphrasing and kind of going off of how like I'm interpreting what he said but just how it's kind of a sexist thing in general and even though we're talking about torturing a torturer I mean, spanking is (laughs) very low on the list in terms of, like, crimes against humanity. Right. But in this context, he would have wanted to go with something that wasn't a punishment specifically used in a time where it was to domineer over women. But he didn't give an example. Yeah, as, as you're talking about it, I'm trying to think of, like, what would an alternative in this particular situation be? I actually, you know, commend Sanderson for wanting to do something that, or change something, I guess I should say, that feels sexist and mm-hmm. possibly even misogynistic. But at the same time, in the storyline, like thinking about just from this perspective, it, they're kind of at their wit's end with the scariest fucking person like maybe in the entire series what do you do what do you do and if the the answer is treat them like a toddler throwing a tantrum you know like people used to raise their kids i guess by spanking them and stuff like it worked i mean if you put her in the corner for time out would that work yeah i mean i think that you know from the perspective of the reader that it's really immensely gratifying seeing Mm -hmm. this terrible person just break and crumble Mm -hmm. and I don't know like would it be as satisfying if Cat Swain just made her eat the slop that she threw on the ground like off the floor and that's how she breaks I don't Mm -hmm. know because (laughs) like going back I can't unread the spanking part right right so like it's I don't know if it would hit me the same way but yeah I was just gonna say the fact that she does it without using the power also adds something to it almost in a in a plus and minus way like she feels like this has to be done. Cat Swain feels like this has to be done this way without using the power. But then it also kind of makes it so it falls even more in that category of how women are frequently treated in, in the form of punishment without magic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it comes down to like all of the other Aes Sedai seeing Semirog as just this mythical being this creature of like terror and cad swain's like i'm gonna humanize her she's just a person she's just a woman and she kind of like does this almost i have such a funny image in my head of how it happens but cad swain kind of like trips her like jujitsu style like throws her down and grabs her by the hair and semirog is just you know screaming and threatening and Kaz Swain is just, like, very chill, like, hmm, I see. Mm-hmm. And to add insult to all of this, she fills her prison room full of, like, the staff, like, the people that have been serving yep. Semirog. Yep. So as, this, as these people are being ushered into the room, Semirog, you know, she goes from cursing them to threatening mm-hmm. them to just howling Mm-hmm. And Cad Swain's like, now will you eat? Mm-hmm. And I think Semirog says something to the effect of, I'll find everyone you love and feed them to each other, which is and just... make you watch. Yeah. <laughs> terrifying. Wow. But, you know, it ends with, you know, Cad Swain spanking her and 
making her eat off the floor and she says yeah. she's just a person just mm-hmm. a person the line in the in the book where she she goes after semirag is so good like what you were saying like the jujitsu move it's Catswing grabbed Semirag by the hair and with a casual sweep of her foot knocked the woman's legs out from from beneath her dropping right? her to the floor isn't that and just I, hilarious to have the mental so... image of this elderly yes. woman just like yes. papa papa <laughs> yes come in and like this tall and i mean like Catswing at some point refers to Semirag as willowy so it wasn't like that Difficult, I guess, to knock this woman who's over six feet tall on her ass. Well, Catswain's kind of stout, you know? Like Yeah, that's what she says. She's like, I'm stout. I got this. Short, close to the ground, low center of gravity. Yeah. Don't you worry. I Ladies out there, don't get too thin. You foot. have to stay that's up right. to your fighting weight. <laughs> Just in case one of that's- the Forsaken show up and you need to throw one on the ground. <laughs> You know what? That's exactly what I need to hear as I'm like eating cookies and putting on my quote unquote winter, my body winter coat. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's fine. Going back to the idea of Cad Swain making everybody see Semirog as a person, she's like, you may want to start bringing a hairbrush with you or like carrying a hairbrush around with you because, you know, paddling her like that with your hand gets tiresome after a while. And it makes the other Aes Sedai, who's been in this, like, terrible position, smile. Like, they have this solution to get the answers that they're looking for. And that has to be a bit of a relief, even if it comes at the cost of causing pain to another person. Yeah, And this is another, I guess, point to where... I. We'll have to do a Cad Swain 101 in the future. I would love to. She is one of the most divisive characters because clearly she's not a bad guy in the story. Like, she's not one of the Forsaken. She's not on the side of the shadow, but she's a pretty terrible person as well. <laughs> and yeah. had Cad Swain been anything but exactly what and who she is, this whole method of breaking Semirog never would have been found. Right. So, like, it was necessary for Cad Swain to be this kind of awful person. Yes. And, like we said earlier, she does see a bit of herself in Semirog, and that's mm-hmm. how she's able to kind of, like, break it down into, like, well, you know, how how would you break someone mm-hmm. like this? Mm-hmm. And it it's also Cad Swain being this legendary yes. Aes Sedai that yes, everyone knows. Yeah. And they both have this kind of storybook mythology about yep. them where mm-hmm. if you say the name, you know who this person is, no matter who mm-hmm. you are, I guess. Yep. Their reputation precedes them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I do love that about Cat Swain, and I am absolutely down for a 101. Yeah, yeah. So I guess this is a good thing to point out to our Discord people and our Patreon people. Mm-hmm. So for our Patre- Patreon people, this is just a shout out. Do check in on our Discord channel because a lot of the times when we are trying to decide what episode we're going to do for a 101, we will consult our Patreon people. I'm saying that a lot, Patreon people. Check in over there every once in a while because this is one of the perks of having you guys there. (laughs) Our topic today is a suggestion from Snakes and Foxes. So thank you, Snakes and Foxes. We needed your brain power. We really did. Thank you. Yeah. So make sure you check in on Discord because if there is something that you really want us to hear, let us know because it's a very good possibility that's what we'll choose for our 101s. So often like brainstorming for an idea produces so many better results and we appreciate yeah. your insight into what we could cover. Yeah. But anyways, back to Semirog. You Thanks. Know. I'm glad that you did that, though. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. 
we she does end up getting freed by her good friend Shada Haran. They're buddies now. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and she does eventually get to use the domination band on Rand, which results in him almost killing Min. Yep. But Min, to her credit, gets another knife toss in and. <laughs> this time, you know, she's not at least captured in one place. She gets a nick across the cheek on Semirog. Yeah. Semirog doesn't like it. Yeah, but I mean, this results in Rand accessing the true power instead of the one power yep. and bail firing the shit out of her. So, yep. that's a, I mean, it's a good end to her story, I feel like. <laughs> wiped from I, existence never yep. to be reborn again actually i think you can be reborn again after balefire can you yeah because if you could be then why wouldn't ishamayel just have someone balefire him if he's tired of living lives over and over again you know oh interesting i think he would be reborn just not as himself what an interesting idea. I've always said to the canon that you can't come back after Balefire. Like, that's always been my understanding. But I'm intrigued if that's not actually the case. And I think you have a solid point. <laughs> huh. If anyone knows. A question for another day. Yeah, let us know. I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah. Because, like, I, I think it's actually kind of important that she's not able to be brought back. Like We just have way too many moments where it's like, and Lanfear's brought back, and uh, is it Bilal? Whoever. Like, we have a good portion of the Forsaken who die, they just pop back up. Like, the Dark One's just like, and you get a new body, and you get a new body, and off you guys go to quote-unquote wreak havoc or create chaos. I don't know. I don't think they're particularly effective they could yeah have i mean i don't think the dark one can resurrect you after balefire but i think that there's a possibility of you actually coming back huh like as a person and yeah. not as like a forsaken just in a new body kind of thing i think so yeah i kind of like that i like that I like the idea of being able to kind of redeem your soul, get a, get a fresh start. Or maybe, like, the balefire sets the clock back, like, a certain amount of time. It's not so much that it's, like, it makes things never was, like, it never happened. But after mm-hmm. you start erasing things from so far, like, if you're setting the clock back so far you run into all different types of paradoxes with kind of like time travel, like the grandfather paradox. Like if you go back, Mm -hmm. if someone kills your great, 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 great grandfather, are you able to be born? No. Mm -hmm. So that's how I saw it as, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. No, I really like your insight on it. I really do. But, Tracy, is there anything you would like to add? Should we wrap it up for today? I guess the last thing that I had was the mention of Semirog being a masochist as well as a sadist. Because she's almost looking forward to being tortured when the time comes. Yeah, because she thinks it's going to be... (laughs) She's expecting something totally different. Yeah, I think, like, there's something about how she was, like, had they done something like put hot coals in the hollows of her elbows? And I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Who even thinks to do that? Like, she was ready for it. That's what she was expecting. She was like, slice me and dice me. I'm ready for that. Like, she's almost looking forward to it. And I guess maybe she's, like... You know, she's inflicted that so often on so many other people that maybe now her curiosity level has reached to wanting to know what it feels like for herself. What a weirdo. But okay. I mean, if that's your thing. What a weirdo, but okay. 
if that's your thing. That's that's maybe a great place to wrap us up. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone, Bye. take care, and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.